And if you're a guest with us, we're extremely glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. We'd love to get to know you, and one of the ways that we do that is through the guest card that's in front of you. If you could take one of those out and fill it out for us, and then after the service, go to the Welcome Center, which is to the left, and our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, would be there. He'd love to get to know you. You can just give the card to him. He's got a small gift for you. Or if today you would just want to be anonymous, uh, you can just put the card on the desk there and wave on your way out. Uh, it's just a way that we can get to know you and make a connection today. And so we appreciate you doing that for us. We want to take a moment to pray as we continue to worship. So would you take a moment to bow your heads and, and we can pray together. Father, I thank you for organizations like Compassion. I thank you for your church. Um, statistics say, God, that your people are the most generous people in the world. And so, Father, next week as we hear more about Compassion, I pray that you would move in our hearts to, to partner with you as you partner with organizations around the world, God. We thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us as we continue to sing together?
the God of angel armies is always by my side.
Yes, Lord. Amen. Oh, Lord, we give you praise and honor because the honor and praise belong to you, Lord. And Lord, I just know that right now that's a message that we all need to hear, and not only as a church, but as a community, as a country. We need to hear that you, you really love us. God really loves us. And Lord, we're amazed by that because sometimes we're not very lovable, yet you love us anyway. In fact, you loved us so much that you went to the cross and gave your life for us. And that is amazing. So Lord, we, uh, we honor you this morning. We honor you. We glorify you. We praise you. And Lord, we, we open our hearts and our minds up to hear from you today, Lord. So may your spirit through, speak through Dr. Cox and bring your message to us, Lord, that we may be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. Glad you're here to worship with us. Hey, if you're new at First Baptist Church or if you're semi-new, I want to invite you to come this Wednesday. Uh, Daniel McKenzie and I will begin uh, leading our introductions class. Goes the next four Wednesday nights. Starts this Wednesday at 6.30, 45 minutes, 6.30 to 7.15. Child care, classes for kids. And we ask all of our new members to go through this class after they join uh, but we also invite people who just want to check us out. No obligation. You can join our church in the class, but there's no obligation just to get to know us. It, it does two things. We go over an introduction to basic Christianity. What do we believe? How to know you're saved? How to grow as a Christian? And then we introduce you to our church, to our staff, to our ministries, to our mission. We take a tour of our church. So it's a, just a good way to get to know us and say, do I want to come here do I want to be a part of this? So come check us out. Great introduction. Everyone's welcome. 6.30, you just come to the Welcome Center. Somebody will show you the way to, to C200 from the Welcome Center. Four-week class begins this Wednesday. Invite you to come and be a part of that. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter Sunday, and we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Today, I want to talk to you about the next big event in the life of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus to heaven. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days. So he was still on earth for 40 days, a little over a month. He wasn't with them all the time. He would appear to them, and then sometimes it says he just disappeared, or maybe he just left. We don't know how all of the appearances ended. But there were these periodic appearances. The Bible lists at least 10 of them. There might have been a lot more. So Jesus was on earth for these 40 days. Where was he when he was not appearing to his disciples? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But for 40 days, he was on earth, and then he ascended to heaven. If you don't know what we mean by that, it means he just, his feet were on the ground, and then they weren't on the ground. He lifted up, he levitated, he floated, he rose, he went back up to heaven. We read a couple of verses that describe that at the end of Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 24 verse 50 and 51 when he that is Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany he lifted up his hands and blessed them and while he was blessing them he left them and was taken up into heaven that's the ascension of Jesus now what does that mean for our lives I want to share with you some implications of the ascension and how it relates to us 
and our Christian lives and the difference that it makes. Just as the resurrection makes a difference in your life, the ascension also makes a difference in your life. Let me share those with you. First of all, Jesus' ascension means he's exalted above all powers. Exalted. Uh, In Peter's sermon at Pentecost, the first Christian sermon, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, Peter shared these words in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 32. I read this verse on Easter Sunday. Let me go ahead and read it again, and then the next verse. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. That's the resurrection, right? The next verse, verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. We'll talk about that in a moment. So the word exaltation or exalted is used in connection with the the, uh, ascension. What does the ascension mean? It means he's exalted above all powers. It's the counterpart of his humiliation. So get the descent and you'll understand uh, the exaltation. Jesus is in heaven forever and ever. On the first Christmas, he humbled himself and became a human. He descended from heaven to earth. And then, on Good Friday, he descended even farther. He humbled himself and humiliated himself so that he died. God, God, man, died. So the first part then of the next of his exaltation is he was raised from the dead. He had died. Now his resurrection, he's raised from the dead. He's defeated death. And now the last part of his exaltation, he goes back to heaven. And it's not just a change in locations. It means that he is victorious over all powers. He's exalted to the right hand of God. He's sitting on a throne next to God the Father. He rules. Let me continue reading in Peter's sermon. It says in verse 34, For David, Peter's still preaching, For David did not ascend to heaven, And yet he said, so he's going to quote what David wrote in Psalm 110. This is the verse of the Psalms that is the most quoted in all the New Testament. This is Jesus quoted, Peter quoted, one of the most important verses, uh, prophecies of the Messiah. Here's what it says. The Lord, that's God the Father, said to my Lord, that's God the Son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David prophesied that. The ascension fulfilled that. Jesus Ascended to heaven, sat down on the throne at the right hand of God. He rules. And he says, you sit there until I make all your enemies a footstool. Jesus is going to prop his feet up on all of his enemies. Now, I know some of them are squirming now. They don't like being a footstool, and some of them are running around. But it's, it's a done deal. He's seated on the throne, and all of the enemies will be under his feet. I think we need to get this part of the ascension because I think in a lot of Christianity today, there's a little bit of a defeated mentality. You know, the world is a mess, and culture seems to be getting worse, and, and, we, and some of us just tend to be, oh, it's terrible, and we, oh, we just wring our hands, and we fret, and what's going to happen? I don't know what the future's going to be, and oh, it's t-. Listen, 
Jesus is seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. It's not that one day he's going to rule. He rules now. Yes, all of his enemies have not been subjected yet. They're squirming around, but he's already seated there. It's a done deal. Christians ought to live with confidence. Our culture may be getting worse, but Jesus reigns. He rules. You can have hope. You can have optimism. You can have courage because Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God, and he's shown himself victorious over all spiritual powers. And the devil will be under his feet, and the Antichrist will be under his feet, and demons will be under his feet, and human rulers who, who rail against him will be under his feet. Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God. The second thing that the ascension means, it means that we can all experience his presence through the Holy Spirit. It means that we can all experience his presence now in a different way. The ascension signaled a different way of knowing Jesus. They had known him in the flesh, like I'm looking at you, an interaction with, with a person, but now they would not know him, and we do not experience him primarily that way. We primarily now experience him through the Holy Spirit. Let me read you a couple of verses from John's Gospel. Jesus said this the night before his death as he's preparing his disciples that he goes away. First, I'll read verse 28 of John 16. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. So he's predicting his death and his resurrection. Now he's predicting his ascension. Read to you verse 7. It is for your good that I go away. They probably didn't think, oh, no, that's not true. He said, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or comforter or counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so he says, now, you see, the, the ascension signaled the end to these appearances during these 40 days. He'd been appearing, disappearing, appearing, disappearing. The ascension, he's, he's not going to be appearing anymore. He's going back to the heaven. There's going to be a different way of relating to Jesus and knowing him. Now you're not going to see him. You're going to experience him through the Holy Spirit. We tend to think it would be great if Jesus just stayed on earth. What if he hadn't ascended? What if he just stayed on earth? And he was on earth, and he could pop into church anytime. Wouldn't that be great? And we go, man, I'd come to church when you might be the day he comes to church. Man, I he's going to pop in today. And we think that'd be great. We could see Jesus in the flesh. You know what the problem with that is? If he came to a different church every Sunday in the 2,000 years since his resurrection, 2,000 times 52, that's 104,000 churches he could visit. There are 300,000 in the United States. 2,000 years, he couldn't even visit every church in the United States on Sunday. We think it would be great if Jesus could come into place. So maybe he could double up and really do a hard schedule and go to three a day. You know, I'd, I'd come on a Tuesday. I'd, I'd, wouldn't you miss work on a Tuesday afternoon? Maybe if he, we were scheduled for a Tuesday afternoon, Jesus is going to be here in the flesh standing here preaching you. I'd come, wouldn't you? Three a day. That's about a million over 2,000 years. There are 10 to 20 million church buildings in the world. But because he has ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, we experience the presence of Jesus. He's here today. And he's under a tree in Africa where a church is meeting. And he's in a secret church in China where they're whispering quietly in a home. He's in every one of those. He said, lo, I will be with you always and through the person of the Holy Spirit. We relate to Jesus now in a different way. You can know him. Sometimes people I hear, I read these stories about I saw Jesus in a cinnamon roll, you know, or in the cloud. You, you, you've seen those on the side of my, we got a refrigerator out on my porch, paint peeled off, and I could see the face of Jesus in that refrigerator. You, you've heard all those stories? 
Listen, Jesus is Jesus. He can do whatever he wants to, but that's not primarily the way you're going to know Jesus. Not primarily the way you're going to see him. You're not going to see him in the flesh. You will one day, but you're not really going to see him in the flesh. He signaled a different way. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And you'll know Jesus primarily now through the power of the Holy Spirit within your life. You can know him wherever you are. And that's the advantage of the ascension that he's given us. Third thing the ascension means for us, the ascension indicates he's completed his work of redemption. He's completed his work of redemption. And so because he's finished that, he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. You ever finish something and you just want to sit down for a little bit? Not that Jesus is tired, but he's signaling he has completed that work. And so his position, seated at the right hand of God, we're going to see in the Bible, indicates that he wants you to know everything done for your salvation has been completed. You don't have to keep trying to be saved. You receive the completed work of Jesus. Let me show it to you. Hebrews talks a lot about this. Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radius of God's, uh, radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, and after after he had provided purification for sins, so he did that on the cross and in his resurrection, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And his seated position is to let you know it's finished. Let me show it to you again in Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. He's contrasting here the Old Testament priests with the permanent priesthood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 11. Day after day, every priest stands, you hear it here, and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he what? Sat down at the right hand of God. And since he, at that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So the seated position of Jesus indicates, first of all, that he's exalted, he's ruling, he's on a throne. The seated position also indicates he's not having to keep offering those blood sacrifices in the temple like the Jewish system over and over. He's done. He offered a once and for all sacrifice, and he is seated at the right hand of God. And you can know that you're saved, and you don't have, it doesn't depend on your Effort, it depends on receiving by faith the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And he has done this. It says he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Isn't that a great sentence? Did you know that if you believe in Jesus, you're perfect forever? Now, you're still being made holy. You're not completely holy yet. But positionally, you are perfect. Isn't that wonderful? Because it's done. It's finished. There's no doubt about my salvation because it's not my effort, but it's him. He's sat down at the right hand of the Father to indicate that. Fourth, the ascension indicates he's begun his work of intercession. He's finished his work of redemption, but he has begun now his work of intercession. And the ascension is tied to that. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
So what is Jesus doing up there in heaven? What's he doing? Well, one of the things that he is doing, he's praying for you. Isn't that amazing? You can pray in the name of Jesus to the Father. He told us to do that. But at the same time, he's praying for you. There's an accuser. That's one of the names of the devil. And the accuser slanders Christians and points out our flaws. But Jesus speaks a greater word of defense. He stands for us. Let me read it to you also in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So the ascension ought to encourage you to hold firmly to the faith you profess. Why? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because of his humiliation, he's uniquely qualified to identify with us, to know what you're going through. He's experienced every type of temptation that you have. He understands the struggle against sin. He never sinned. And he then is qualified to intercede for you with the Father. And so it, the result says you ought to have confidence in prayer. You don't have to worry about getting everything right. You ought to have confidence in just talking to God because Jesus lives there to make intercession for us. There's a fifth implication of the, of the ascension. Jesus' ascension shows us how he will return. It models his return. Uh, Luke tells of the ascension a second time in the beginning of Acts. So Luke wrote Luke and Acts. When he ended Acts, he told about the ascension. We read that in the very first verses. Then he wrote Acts, and in this second volume, he sort of overlaps a little bit, gives us the backstory, and tells us about the ascension again. And here he tells us some details about it uh, that help us. Uh, Acts 1, verse 9. After he, that is Jesus, said this, he'd just given them, go into all the world and make disciples, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid them, him from their sight. So there's key words in that verse that are trying to communicate to us that this was not just a vision or an imagination. This was literal, tangible, visible. He was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were seeing him as he was going. Here's a Bible trivia question for you. Everyone play Bible trivia? You can ask somebody. What was the weather like on the day Jesus ascended into heaven? And the answer is, it was partly cloudy. <laughs> partly cloudy that day because they watched him ascend and then a cloud hid him from view. Why is the Bible telling us that detail? It wants us to understand Jesus is actually moving, going from heaven's a real place, earth's a real place. Jesus is going from earth to heaven, one place to another, it is visible, they take it up before their eyes till a cloud hid them from their sight. He's going through the clouds. I don't know where heaven is. 
Some would say it's in this space-time universe. Some say it's beyond it. I don't know, but it's a real place, and it's beyond the clouds. It's, it's that way. It's up there somewhere because he, he lifted his feet, went off the ground. They were watching when he went, and he went up, and they watched him through the clouds, and cloud hid him from sight. Now note the next part, verse 10. They were looking intently up into the sky. So they're standing there trying to still see him a little bit. You ever been at a birthday party outside and you lose a balloon and everybody watches it till you can't see it anymore, you know, it's gone. That's what they're doing. And when they were doing that, suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand looking like idiots here looking up into the sky? They didn't, didn't say that part about idiots. This same Jesus who has been taken, now get this, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the ascension is a model for us, a preview of his return. How will Jesus return? We don't mean it's just going to be some, something that we've, we experience him in the wind and he comes into he no we mean literally visibly tangibly through the clouds he's going to be coming down in the same way he went up the ascension lets us know the return of Jesus will be real visible he moved from one place to another he's going to move from that place and come back to earth now here's the last thing and this will blow your mind if you don't already know this. Get ready to be mind blown. Many of you already know this, I know. But if you don't, it'll blow your mind. Believers in Jesus can share in his ascension. We can share in his ascension in two ways. First of all, believers in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, you share spiritually in his ascension. That's the first way. Now, over the last month or so, as I've been preaching, I've been sharing with you about the union with Christ. On Palm Sunday, I shared with you from the verse, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. When you believe in Jesus, you're spiritually united with the events of his life. So first of all, you're united with his death. You're going to have to die to self. And you're going to have to spiritually do what Jesus did physically. You want to become a Christian, you got to repent, you got to deny yourself, you got to give up your self-centered life, you got to put Jesus at the center of your life, okay? On Easter, I shared with you that you also share spiritually in the resurrection, that if you believe in Jesus, you come alive to new life. Romans 6 says we've been united with him in his death, we'll be united with him in his resurrection, that's what we do in baptism. Now, the same is true of ascension. When you believe in Jesus, you participate with him spiritually in his ascension. Let me show it to you in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. I read that verse on Easter Sunday. That, that if you believe in Jesus, he makes you alive. He gives you a new life. You participate spiritually in his resurrection. Now note the next sentence. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. You participate spiritually in his ascension as well. That is your spiritual position, not your physical position. You're right there in those pews. You live on earth. But your spiritual position is 
you are seated with him in the heavenly places. Only Ephesians uses that phrase six times in Ephesians, the heavenly realms, the heavenlies, the heavenly places. And it is saying that you're already there with him. Lone Star has a country song, I'm already there. It's about a guy who calls home. He's on the road in a motel room, and he talks to his kids. They said, Daddy, when you're coming home? And he said, I'm already there. Let me tell you, spiritually, not physically, you're already there. What does that mean for your life? It means that you can have assurance of salvation. Somebody asks you, are you going to heaven? Yes, I believe I'm going to heaven. In fact, I'm already there. Positionally, I'm seated with him. That's what the Bible says. Don't look at me like that. That's what the Bible says. Look at it right there. You are seated with him in the heavenly realms. Positionally, that gives us assurance of salvation. And folks, that's also what motivates us to holiness. Colossians 3 is 1 says, Set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, for your life is hid with him in Christ. You don't need to be messing with this dirty junk of this world. You don't need to have your mind polluted with stuff. That's not who you are. That's not where you are. You are seated with him in heavenly realms. Be who you are. Think how you are. Put your mind where your position already is. You can participate, share in the ascension spiritually when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You'll die to self, you'll be raised to a new life, and your life will be hidden with him. You're, you're already positionally ruling as a king or a queen with Jesus. He's already ruling, you're already ruling with him. Now here's the next part. When Jesus returns, you'll share physically in his resurrection. Again, the same, I mean, in his ascension. Same parallel to the resurrection. When you believe in Jesus, you're spiritually raised. And when Jesus comes back, you'll be physically raised. Same with the ascension. You believe in Jesus, you're physically, you're spiritually seated in heavenly places. And when he comes back, you will physically ascend as well. Let me read it to you in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So, the first thing that will happen when Jesus comes is that those who have died before he gets here will be raised. They'll have the priority. And those who have died, their bodies will be raised. And then it says, after that, we who are still alive, so there will be some Christians still alive, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wow! So you're either going to be resurrected or, or raptured, transformed, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. Your body's going to have to go through some kind of transformation, get rid of aging, wrinkles, all that stuff to be redone. So it'll be redone by resurrection or it'll be redone by transformation. First will be the resurrected, the dead in Christ will rise. Then, I don't know how much after that, but it says after that, one second, five seconds, two minutes, I don't know, but it's after that, there's a priority to the dead. And then those who are alive will be changed in an instant and called up together. So here we are all coming up, the dead have raised, their spirits have come back into their body, they're floating up through the air first, woo! And then those who are alive, boom, are changed, and they meet them in the air. Sometimes we say, uh, 
to, uh, to, to one another, you know, we're going to meet in heaven, we'll meet again in heaven. That's true, but technically, we meet before we get to heaven. Did you know that? We will, do you hear what this verse says? We will be caught up together with them in the clouds, caught up together. Isn't that going to be amazing? What's that going to be like? Have you ever watched videos of skydiving and when there's a bunch of people skydive and they come down and they're floating and then sometimes they'll link up with other people and join hands and make a ring? Have you ever seen, maybe some of you have done that, or, but have you ever seen a video of that? And they're all together then going down? It'll, maybe it'll be like that except instead of going down, you're going up, you know? We're going up, and then we link arms, and you meet uh, dead loved ones who have died before, and living ones, and it's a group hug in the sky there. And he says from that, and so we will be with the Lord forever, forever. So if you believe in Jesus, you're going to participate in his ascension. You're joined to Jesus, and you'll participate spiritually right now. You'll die to self, you can have a new life start right now, spiritual resurrection. You can have your future so secure that you're seated in the heavenlies. And when you die, or when he comes back again, that you'll experience that union with him in physical ascension as well. Are you on team, Jesus? Would you put your faith in him? He's the living one. He's the ruling one. He's the interceding one. He's the coming one. Would you put your faith in him for the first time or once again? Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, we stand in awe of your plan and we link our lives with you. And perhaps there's a person right now, Lord, who would see the truth of this and would call out to you for salvation so that they could have a spiritual resurrection right now and a physical resurrection one day, a spiritual ascension right now and a physical ascension one day. I pray for those who might be crying out to you. And then, Lord, I pray for those of us who are already believers that we might not live in defeat. Lord, lift our eyes, lift our sights. I pray for those who are messing around with stuff in the mud and we need to set our mind on things above where our life is hidden with Christ. So I pray, Lord, we will live the resurrected, ascended life. So, O oh Lord, we recommit ourselves to you. In the name of the King of Kings, Jesus, amen. Stand together with me, if you will. We're going to sing a song. This is our song of celebration of these truths. It's also our song of invitation. So, today, if you prayed to receive Christ, you need to confess that. I'd invite you to come publicly. Just walk down this aisle, one of these aisles in front of uh, these people. I'll meet you at either aisle here. And... Uh, We'll rejoice with you if you have, still have questions or you want to. There'll be a decision counselor here who can help you further. If uh, we can uh, rejoice with you, you need to be baptized. You can begin that process. You can come and join our church uh, during this time. You can come for prayer. So, this is a time for you to respond and to come as we sing together.
every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus well you can have a seat I tell you, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's some strange things happening up to the worship center. We've got this little stage here, and we got that big boom thing up there. That's actually uh, going to be a camera. That thing's called a jib. And I, I know that. I've learned some new words, right? Jib. And uh, you ought to try to say that to Siri, because she wants to say job or, you know, gib. Or, I don't know. Sorry. But anywho, uh, tonight... Uh, we're going to be having a, a, a first-time thing. This is like a historic thing for us. We're going to be shooting a, a video and recording a CD of tonight's performance of, of the music or this music that we're calling God Really Loves Us. And I just think that's a message that our, our world needs to hear. God really loves us. Uh, Johnny sang it this morning. And so come back tonight and be a part of this historic event, uh, this recording that we're going to put out on the internet. We're going to make a CD of it, and um, don't miss it. Come on back tonight. We'll start at 6 o'clock. So uh, y'all ready? All right. It's going to be good. What we did last night, we were like, man, we should have recorded that one. That was really good. And so uh, I'm excited about it. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think it'll be an uplifting spiritual moment for you tonight. It sure has been for us. And so without further ado, I'm going to have, uh, uh, what's your name? Uh, McKenzie, Daniel McKenzie's gonna, gonna, uh, sorry, that was a Biden moment right there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that was bad. That was bad. All right. Well, uh, would y'all like to pray? We can, we can pray for Todd. And, uh, I want to remind you about uh, offering boxes on the back wall, and we'll pray and to be dismissed. <laughs> Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are exalted over every power, God, and that uh, you have conquered death and that you have risen uh, to heaven to, to rule and reign and that we get to participate with you in that. God, we thank you that we can have access and relationship with the most powerful thing, person, force in the universe, and we are grateful for that. So uh, just help us to live for you. Help us to um, live with that confidence that you have overcome. And we love you and we thank you. 